You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. So if you brought your Bible, please open to 1 Samuel 17. Um, we're going to do a lot of reading today, so I, we ha- we'll have it on the screens for you as well. But um, we're really going to go through that chapter, which has several verses in them, but we're going to do a lot of reading. So hang with me. Um, I titled this message, Facing Your Giants. Woohoo! Um, to be honest, I was sitting there. I don't normally get nervous, but today I'm like a little bit. So hang with me. I really felt God speaking this week, and I really felt like he wanted to do something. And I was sat there worshiping. I really just felt the presence of God and just feeling like, God, there's people with big giants in this room. And I really just really believe that God's going to deal with them today. And so I, I, I want to ask you to join your faith with mine. I want to ask you to believe because it's a choice. It's a choice to believe that God's going to work on your behalf. And we can choose to kind of go, and that's not for me. Or we can choose to take a hold of the promise and say, that's mine and it's today. So I just want to encourage you with that. I'm, we're going to read <clears throat> about 11. Uh, we're going to start with the number 1 through 11, verse 1 through 11, and then we'll pray. Um, but I want to set the stage with the scene here. <clears throat> Most of you know the story. And if you've been in church before, I'm sure you can probably tell it back to me. But hang with me, let's, let's go through this. Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle, and they were gathered at Soko, which belongs to Judah, and encamped between Soko and Azekah in Ephes Damon, Damon, Damon. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and encamped in the valley of Elah, and drew up in a line, and drew up in a line of battle against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain. On the one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, with a valley in between them. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits, which basically means six cubits and a span, which means nine feet, nine inches. He was about nine feet tall. Can you imagine? Um, He had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze, which would have been about 125 pounds. And he had bronze armor in his legs and a javelin of bronze, uh, of bronze slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron, which would have been about 15 pounds, just his helmet. And his shield bearer went before him, and he stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man of yourselves, and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we might fight together. When Saul and all of Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now let's pray. God, you are good. You're great. You are almighty. You are all powerful. And God, 
I know that there are people in this room who have been dismayed and afraid, who have been standing, God, facing their giants without knowing what to do. And God, I pray this morning that you would give them the answer. God, I pray this morning that the giants would fall. I pray this morning, God, that you would do things that you haven't done before, that you would do the impossible, that you would do the miracle they've been longing for. I pray this morning, God, that it would be a different Sunday in their lives, God. There would be a turning of chapter. God, I pray for new visions and new dreams, God, to be birthed in hearts. I pray, Jesus, for all fear to leave. I command it to leave in the name of Jesus. And I pray, Jesus, that from today forward, your people will no longer be afraid. In your name we pray. Amen. Let me ask you this. Have you ever been like the Israelites or are you like the Israelites at the moment? Dismayed and afraid? Like you've done everything you've known how to do and you wake up in the morning and that giant is still there. And it's the first thing you think about in the morning. It's the last thing you think about at night. And no matter how you think about the situation, no matter how you look at it, no matter how you've tried to control it or tried to minimize it or even tried to forget it, it's still there. I mean, it could be for you, maybe it's a debt that's piled up so high that no matter how you look at it and how you think about it, you just don't say, I mean, how am I ever? How am I going to get out of it? Or maybe it's an addiction that no matter how much you've tried to say and will it, will it to go away, it just won't. And every morning you try and you say, it's going to be a new day. It's going to be a new day, but it just isn't. Or maybe it's a relationship and you thought, you saw your girlfriends or your, you know, guy friends get into these relationships and go, I would never. That is not me. And all of a sudden you're in this relationship and you're stuck. You just don't know how to get out. Or maybe it's depression. It just suffocates every attempt of being happy. It just suffocates the life out of you and you try to, you know, you try to do things and you try to do what people tell you to do, but it just doesn't, doesn't let up. Or maybe it's this weight, you know, you've been trying to lose it, it just can't seem to lose it. Like you've done everything you know how to do, but it's a giant in your life and it consumes your perception of yourself. See, we all have giants. We all do. And the thing is, we all must face them. Giants don't just disappear. Giants don't go away on their own. Giants become lids in our lives. And no matter how much we try to ignore them, they will eventually keep you at a, at a level and they won't let you go any further. See, giants, if you ignore them long enough, they will end up stealing your joy, your peace, and they will steal away the plan that God has given you. The design, the thing that you were designed to be, he will steal from you. See, we're taking a look at the story of David and Goliath. And if you've been in church, you've heard the story, right? If you've been, you've heard it every which way you can. And we're going to go through the story today. Um, but the part that I want to start off with was that last past, the last verse that we read in First um, Samuel 17, verse 11. It says that the giant caused the Israelites discouragement and fear. 
If you find yourself discouraged and afraid in some area of your life, I'm going to tell you something, that's a giant. If you find yourself, and it's not, you know, sometimes it's not the whole life. It's an area. There's a, there's a thing that every time you think about that or every time you have to deal with that, all of a sudden you're discouraged and you're afraid and you really just don't know how to go about it. And I wanted you to know this morning that the enemy is intent on, hack, on keeping us discouraged. He is intent on keeping us afraid because he knows that if he could do that, he will limit us. See, if you look in, on the verse 16, and that's saying we're going through 1 Samuel 17. If you look on verse 16, it says, For 40 days the Philistines came forward and, to, the Philistine came forward and took his stand, morning and evening. So for 40 days the Israelites were frozen. For 40 days they stood there in fear, not knowing what to do, not knowing how to go. They were just afraid, just frozen. Meanwhile, our boy David comes into the picture. So we go to verse 20 through 26, and it says, And David rose early in the morning and, felt, and left the sheep with a keeper and took his provisions and went, as Jesse had commanded him to go. Jesse was his father. And he came to the encampment as the host was going out to the battle line, shouting, war, shouting the war cry. And Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle, army, Army against army. And David left the things in, things in charge of the keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers. And he talked with them. Behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came, out, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words before. And David now heard him. All of the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were much afraid. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David said to the men who stood up by him, what shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Now, David walks into the picture, right? He's coming to bring food for his brothers. And he's like, wait a minute. What's going to happen here? What's going to happen to the person who takes down this uncircumcised Philistine? Now, the thing I want you to notice is that David is looking at the situation. And he's not afraid. He's asking, okay, what's going to happen for the one that takes care of him? He's looking ahead. But more importantly, David does not call him a giant. David looks at the situation and calls him this pagan man. So uncircumcised Philistine basically means this ungodly man, right? So David is looking at the scenario and putting God in, its right, in his right place. See, giants are only giants if we compare them to us. Giants, in comparison to God, are no giants. And here's my little... Because I like analogies, guys. Do you like analogies? Okay. So work with me. We're a golf ball. This is me and you. Right? This is me and you. This is a giant. Okay? I'm going to do this and see if it won't, it'll fall, won't it? Okay. Me and you, the giant. Now look at planet Earth, God. 
the scope. And you get a, get a scope. Me, the giant, planet Earth. God. A giant is no giant if you put him in its right place. And that's what David did. David looked at that giant and go, wait a minute. Who is this ungodly man who comes against my God? The owner of the world? The one who created everything? The one that has put all of this in place and all together? Who? Who is this guy? See, the perspective. He comes into the picture going, uh-uh. I'm not giving you credit. I'm not giving you anything, really. So David, right, we'll, we know the story. On verse 50, so David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. And there, uh, and w- there was no sword in the hand of David. So we know that David killed Goliath because we've heard this before. But what I want to focus on today is how did he get there, Right? I believe there are three things in the life of David that if we do, if we practice, if we live that way, we will kill our giants as well. We will slay them as well. And so the first thing I want to focus on is this. If you look a little bit back, one chapter back, which is 1 Samuel 16. Samuel, which was the prophet at the time, came into the house of Jesse, which is David's father. And he anointed David to be king futurely. He anointed David to be king. But here on verse 13, it says, So as David stood there with his brother, Samuel took the flask of oil he had brought with him and anointed David with oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. So the first thing I want to focus on is David was filled with God. Right? From that day on, God was with David. And so you may think, okay, great. David was anointed, and he was filled with God. What does that mean for me? Well, the Bible says the same thing about you and I. In 1 Corinthians 3.16, it says, Do you not know that you are a temple of God, and that God's Spirit dwells in you? So the same Lord that was in David is in you and I. So the same God that led David is leading you and I. So we have point number one, have God in us. Right? All we need to do is say, God, I want you to be in me. David accepted the anointing. David accepted the oil that was being poured on him. And Samuel declaring him the future king. Well, all you need to do is accept Jesus and say, I want you to guide me. I want you in me. The next thing we learn from David is that David focused on the size of God and not on the size of the ungodly man. I want to tell you this morning, the mountain of debt should not have your full attention. It just shouldn't. I want to tell you that the addiction should not have your full attention. That the relationship should not have your full attention. That the, the sickness that is in your body should not have your full attention. Because the owner of all the cattle in the land can take care of the debt. The one who died on the cross so that we would be healed and set free can take care of the sickness. Because the one who sets the captive free will set you free. Right? So our focus must be on God. We need to shift. We need to shift our focus and place it where it belongs. Guys, I got to throw this ball. We'll find it later. (laughs) I literally said I got to throw it. Um, We need to focus our attention on the God who owns the earth. Let's not put it on the 
on the golf ball. Let's not put the attention on us. But let's not put it on the giant either. Let's put it on the God who forms the earth. Let's put our attention on the God who can take care of every situation. Who's not afraid of your situation. Who's not surprised by your situation. The last thing that we learned from David is that David used what was in his hands. So if you continue to read on Samuel 17, um, it says that he went to Saul and Saul wanted to put an armor on him, his own armor, right? He wanted him to be like, you know, here, this is going to make you better. This is going to make you stronger. This is going to make you something. And David put that on and went, "Uh uh-uh, this doesn't feel right. This is not, no, this is not going to work. I can't even walk in this. I want to tell you something. God has given you what you need to win that giant. You already have. You are equipped with everything you need to kill that giant. So my encouragement to you is don't look at your brother or your sister. You go, if I just had what they had, if I had that study, if I had their money, if I had their willpower, if I had this, if I had that, don't look at anybody else. You have everything you need to slay your giant. All you need to do is say, I will. Is rise up and say, I will. See, David didn't try to be who he wasn't. He didn't try to become something that he was not or pick up things that he was not ready to handle. See, if we, the Bible says that we are called to be followers of Jesus. Imitate Jesus, right? So if David wasn't enough, I want to take you to Jesus now. Let's go to Matthew 4. If you have your Bible, Matthew 4. Um, That one's not going to be on the screen, but this is the part, this is, in the Bible, this is where Jesus is led by God into the desert. And he's led into the desert to be uh, tempted by the enemy, right? He's there to be tempted. And I mean, some of you might have heard the story, some of you might not. But what I want to point is that the same three things that David did, Jesus did in the desert. So number one, he's led by the Spirit into the wilderness, right? So he's controlled, by the Spirit. He's being led. The Spirit is in him. He's being led by the Spirit. Number two, when the enemy came at him and said, you know, if you are the Son of God, I command these stones to, be, command these stones to become bread. Right? The enemy is tempting him. And he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So what is Jesus doing? The second thing he does is he focuses on God. Right? I don't need to live. Man should not live by bread alone. He focuses again on God. It's about God. It's not about bread. He, God is my supplement. He is everything I need. God. He switches the focus. And then the third thing that happens is the enemy is coming at him with other things, right? Do this. Do that. And if you worship me, you'll get all the land and all this and that. And Jesus, what does Jesus do? He uses what's already in him. The word of God. It's already in him. To defeat his enemy. Finally, he tells him, uh, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Bible, right? He's using scriptures. He's using things that he learned. So Jesus did the same thing that we see David do. He was led by the Spirit. He focused on God. And he defeated him with the word that was in him. The same, same thing. We have been given victory. We have been given the victory. My friends, I don't want to minimize what you're going through. 
I know that you're going through big things. I know that there are big giants in your life. I know that you've done everything you've known how to do. I know that. But what I want you to focus on this morning is the word of God and what God is telling you. I want you to focus on God himself. And he's telling, he has told you that like David, today he will give you your giant. He, G- Jesus says to Satan, Satan be gone. He commanded him to be gone. And I want to tell you, you, at some point you have to command your enemy to be gone. It's a stand that you must take. And I really just felt in my heart this week that it's a stand that we, we, we want to take together. See, Matthew 28, 18 says that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus. And then in Luke, he says, I have given you the authority to trample on snakes, scorpions, and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. So the power and the authority was given to Jesus, and Jesus turns around and says, I have given it to you. What would you do? This is my encouragement. I'm going to ask everybody to stand for a minute as we close. Now, I realize that if this is your first time here and you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this might sound a little weird. (laughs) So here's my encouragement to you. Accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior means that he is with you to guide you, And to help you slay the giants in life. Because the reality is, like I said, we all have them, right? So Jesus comes to save us, yes, for eternity, but also here. But also in the life here. So if you haven't ever walked into a relationship with Jesus or you're just wondering, what is she talking about? Here's my encouragement to you. Discover Jesus. Discover this God that we're talking about. The God that is ready, willing, and able to be a part of our lives and wanting to guide us into from glory to glory to glory. Just walk towards a relationship with God. It's not a religion. It's a relationship. That's my encouragement.